0: Today we're going to be talking about what you have said based off of us surveying you was your number one thing that you are most stressed out about, and that is money. And so today, the title of today's message is called My Crazy Finances, we're going to talk about finances. Now, let me just say this right out the gate. Um, we're not preaching this message because we need your money. We, we don't. Um, we're, we're in a really great place. Actually, I just want to give God some glory on uh, what he's done this last year. Listen, wait. You don't, even, you don't even know, we're just giving God glory. Okay, let's just give God some glory. I didn't even share the news. We're just giving him glory already. So listen, as of, I just found this out last week. As of last Sunday, we had surpassed already last year all the tithe and offering that's come in from all of last year, all, all the whole year, just this past weekend. So that means... So that means from this weekend all the way to the end of the year is just beyond what we did even last year total. We're in October, people. And so God is good. God is blessing this church. But can I tell you why I think it is? It's because we're generous. We're a generous church. I mean, we, I mean, what church do you know of gives all their people $5 each to go be a blessing? I mean, we're just constantly trying to be generous. And the Bible says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And so God has just put his hand on our church in supernatural ways, so thank you for being generous. And so, yet again, I say that because we're not, we don't need the money, Um, church is going great, Um, but I want to help you. Oftentimes when you hear financial sermons, it's usually on the 10%, you know, you need to tithe and you need to honor God and that, and, and that's all true, that is a part of that. But what you don't hear is most people don't preach about the 90%. Let's talk about the 90, because you're not stressed out about the 10, you're stressed out about the 90. And so how do we, how do we solve that? And the reason I know that is because the, uh, the survey based off of U.S. statistics is that 78% of people live paycheck to paycheck. How I many of you get at the end of the month and you got more months and you got money? Anybody know what that's <laughs> like? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, so most people are like that. I, I, and Listen, the thing about stress with finances is that that when you're financially stressed, it affects everything. It affects everything. I, I've never heard anybody say, you know what, ever since we got in a large bill, of, you know, a large amount of debt, our marriage is doing great. <laughs> just <laughs> never heard that. I've never heard anybody late at night go, man, I'm just so excited about those high interest rates we're paying. You know, like, nobody does that. I mean, everybody is, is freaking out, stressed out, popping pills, trying to figure out how do we pay for all this, what do we do? And so today's message I hope will be um, very enlightening, very hopefully revelational. I pray that God will speak to you and uh, open up your eyes to maybe how you're handling your finances. And and then more than anything, I hope it's going to be powerful and practical. And the Bible has a lot to say about money, a, a ton about money. I was just looking through uh, scriptures, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus shares, 16, almost half of them are on money. Um, one out of Every 10 verses in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of every 10, that's 280 verses, are on money. And then to top all of that, there's actually more verses on money than there is on heaven and hell combined, all throughout Scripture. And so uh, I want to start out today by just saying this. um, As a preacher, I am a chef. I mean, I'm a waiter, not a chef. So let me explain that to you. I deliver the food. I don't make it. God makes the food. I just deliver it to you. So I just want to let you know, as we're diving into what we're about to talk to, don't get mad at the waiter, get mad at the chef, okay? So, <laughs> all right, we're going to let, I'm going to let God's word, I'm just going to preach God's word and kind of hide behind it and let it do what it does when it comes to this. Because I know when we start talking about money, man, people get all like, all finicky about it because the truth is, is that we've, that we've shared in previous messages, is that that's where our heart is attached to it. Our, t- our heart is very close to where your treasure is, there, there your heart is. So I know when I start talking about treasure, I start dealing with heart. So welcome to the, to the surgery room. We're going to allow God's word to do some, some surgery on us. But so this is what's going to happen in this message. I'm going to go ahead and prep you. We're going to spend the first half of this message kind of talking about where the problems are, why we're stressed out. And then we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about God's solution on how do we get out of the stress when it comes to the area of our money. So let's dive in today to what God has to say about this. Now, before I do this, I want to share a quote from a guy who's probably one of the most godliest men on the planet next to the Apostle Paul, this, and this guy was in, in our generation, just passed away recently by a guy by the name of Pastor Billy Graham. How many know Billy Graham? Billy Graham, one of the amazing evangelists, won millions and millions of people to the Lord. Okay, a man of God said what I'm about to say. So this is what Billy Graham said. If a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. Now this is what Billy Graham, the man of God, said that if, if, if people will just get their attitude towards money right, you would be surprised at how it will bleed over into every other area of their life. Number one reason that marriages fall in divorce, it's over money. I'm telling you, this bleeds into every area of our life. And so we want God's perspective on this today. So I want to share today from a passage of scripture that you probably have not heard talk about finances from this scripture. And it's in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is a parable that Jesus gives. It's actually three different parables. Um, It's a parable (coughs) of a lost sheep at the beginning of Luke 15. Then it's a parable of a lost coin. And then it wraps up at the end with the parable of a lost son. We're gonna go to the end of the the three parables, the parable of the lost son, and I wanna show you from the story of the parable son how he managed his finances and what ended up coming out of that, and I think we're going to extrapolate some Principles and some uh, get some some wisdom on maybe what not to do when it comes to money. So um, if you got some notes, how you got some notes? Wave them at me just so I can see. Yeah, come on, somebody. All right, so take some notes with us and um, and then just bring it to heaven when you're done. And so no, I'm joking. So so this is how we're gonna go. All right, let me give you four thoughts today on why I think we are stressed out. Now there's so many more. Okay, so I just want to say we're gonna. This is kind of a broad stroke. There's a lot of details that I cannot get into because you don't want to be here till two, and so uh, we're going to we're going to do a broad stroke. And then, uh, listen, if you want to get into more details, listen, come set up an appointment and we'll help with you through financial stuff. But here's why I think we're stressed out. Let me give you some big ideas um, first off <laughs> when we come into Let me read the passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to give you this first one. Luke 15, verse 11 says this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, everybody help me with this. Father, give me. Give me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, call me Jimmy. All right, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, just real quick pause. This would have been... When Jesus shared this, there would have been a a gasp for those who had heard this. Because imagine these two boys were already going to get their father's estate. It was happening. As soon as he was going to die, they were going to get the inheritance. But the younger son was saying, this is what he's saying, Dad, I would just rather you be dead now. Give me my money. And the incredible thing about a great loving father is he gives him what he wants. He says, okay, so he divides his portion and he gives it He gives it to the son. And so this is where we begin this story. So let's talk about why we're stressed out when it comes to finances. Let me give you the first one. Number one is that we, we're stressed out when we're consumed with having more. We're stressed out when we're consumed with having more. Our culture defines happiness as this. Ready? Here's what our culture says happiness is, more than I currently have. Man, how you doing? Man, I, I just wish I had more. Wish I had more money. Wish I had more stuff. I wish I had more things. I wish I had more. I, I just wish I had more. I wish I had more. I wish I had more. We have bought into what I call the er syndrome. It needs to be better, nicer, richer. Yeah, are y'all with me? Newer. Like, we, man, we're so intoxicated in this, and we got a culture that, that is constantly, you can't scroll on Instagram or Facebook without going, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had more of that. I wish I had that. And so God's word speaks to this in Ecclesiastes. One of the wisest men of all of scripture said it this way. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse six. He says this. Better, everybody say this. Better is what? One, one handful with tranquility. What, this word tranquility is this word peace, calmness. Better is just, just one handful with, with at least peace and calmness than to have two handfuls with toil. Let me give you another word for toil. Stress. Stressed out, chasing after the wind. Better is one with peace than to have two. But we live in a society where more is better. So listen, one dollar is good, two is two is better, right? I mean one donut is good, a a dozen is better. (laughs) Right? Come on, one car is good, two is is better, one wife is good, no, two is wrong. Okay, don't I'm not going there. We're not going there. But hey, this is this let's let's go ahead and, and put this into modern day language. One car paid off is better than two monthly payments. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. All right, so are y'all with me? One house that we can we can manage than then two that we can't. One job that gives peace, then two jobs full of stress. Like, so this is what he's telling us, that we, we, we need to understand where in our life are we trying to get more and more and more and more, and we're adding so much, so much, so much in our life that we're just so stressed out because our hands are so full of things. When, when you have one hand, you have another hand that can do things. One hand is full, I can be generous with the other. One hand is full, I can still hug. One hand. But when I got both, I can't, I can't do anything. Man, I'm just so stressed out, and so we, we buy into this. And so Luke 15 goes on, and it says in verse 13, it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. So let me give you the second reason why I think we're stressed. Not only is it because I think we're, we're consuming with having more, is we want everything now. We want everything now. How many of you have heard the Queen song, I want it all, and I want it Oh, don't act like y'all religious. Like, we don't listen to Queen. Please. Please. Only 89.5 for my family. Okay, listen. We know when you leave here. Get a little Led Zeppelin up in there or something. Okay, so. I want it all. I want it now. I want it. That is the story of our society. I want it all I, to, I think inside all of us is a two-year-old living on the inside of us. Y'all ever been to Walmart when a mom is trying to bring her little kids to the cash register? And y'all know how Walmart strategically places the demonic candy right by? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Right by the check. I mean, right there. And guess what level it's at? Their level. Their level. They're looking at all of it. Mom, mom, please, now, mom, mom, no, no, stop. I'm going to beat you right here. They got cameras. Stop. We want everything, and we want everything now, and there are now, in our culture, companies that know that. You know what they're called? Credit card companies. (laughs) They know it, and they sell us on it all the time, because back in the day, if you wanted it, and you didn't have the money, you couldn't buy it, but nowadays, if you want it now, you can have it now, just charge it. The credit card companies, I read this this past week, the credit card companies spend $600 billion on marketing. Wow, right? 600 that's with a B, billion dollars on marketing. The majority of their marketing is at college students. Because if you can get them enslaved early, you got them their whole life. And more students are coming out of college now, more in debt than ever before, and, and, and you don't even have a job yet. And so you gotta go get a job just to start paying off all the stuff that you've accrued through the four years that you were, you were at school. And I'm telling you, it, it's, it's, such a, it's such a thing now in our culture because we live in an instant gratification culture. Like if I want it, I want it right now. I mean like high speed internet. If it's low speed, it's terrible. I mean we complain when the drive-through's slow. That's crazy, but we live in a day and age where I can click it, push it, snap it, one day, two days, prime, get it. I mean, everything's now here, 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 and so what ends up happening is you have a culture now that grows up, and they want the house that it took 50 years for their parents to have. We want the the same TV that my my dad has, but you don't realize how long it took him before, before. He didn't either have a TV, or if he did, you were the remote. Come on, somebody. I remember. So, we want everything right now. Now, here's the craziest part. Ready? All right. So, remember, don't get mad at the messenger, okay? (laughs) Just the delivery man. The average American has three credit cards with a total of 16,601 in credit card debt. The average American. The average American. And I guarantee the majority of these credit cards are not 3%. They're 18, 19, 20%. And the sad thing is now we go into buying vehicles and we're not asking how much is it really going to cost. We're just asking how much are the monthly payments. So you come off of the lot with a $40,000 vehicle, not realizing that you have it on seven years at 18 or 17 or 10 or whatever percent, and you realize that that $40,000 vehicle, by the time you pay it off seven years, first off, by the time seven years comes around, it may be worth 10000 and you just paid 80000 for it. Got real quiet in this Protestant church. <laughs> but is this not the truth? Because we're not asking questions of how much does it really cost. We just ask, how much can I afford right now? And so, so we, we, we charted it out. Listen, I, I know, yet again, this is a broad brush, okay? Some of us are in, are, in, are in financial debt because it wasn't your decision. Some of it was other people's decision, and you're, you're carrying the stress of other people's bad decisions. I understand that. Some of it is unseen circumstances. Things break. Things happen. And I understand all that. But I don't think that's the majority of it. I don't think it is. I think we, we, have, we want it we want it now, which watch what happens in Luke 15 with this guy. So he gets his father's inheritance. He gathers all his stuff. He goes off to a distant country. Look what it says, Luke, Luke 15, 13. So he sets off for a distant country, and there, what does he do? Squander. He squanders it. He squanders it. He wastes it. Man, this, bro, this brother was the life of the party for a long time. He was throwing the party, And he squandered his wealth in wild living after he had What? Spend everything, spend everything. Let me give you number three, ready? We're stressed out when we spend everything we have. We're stressed out because we spend everything that we have. So this is what ends up happening. You get a raise at work, and you raise your level of living up to it. Right. Yeah. And you get a raise, and you raise your level of living up to it. And so instead of settling for where we are, we keep raising the money. Mm-hmm. Our, our, increase, our income raises, but our spending raises just as much. And so we'll get into this in just a minute about margin, but we get to a place where we, we're constantly having to work more overtime and more jobs and get a second job and a third job because we're increasing the level of our spending to the level of our living. And so at some point, we're going to have to make some shifts. We're going to just have to make a shift. Because the downsize, we're going to have to cut some things back, we're going to have to figure things out. And, and so I wrote this down. Ready? Here we go. Too many people are spending money they haven't yet earned for things they don't need to impress people they don't like. (laughs) Selah. All right. Is this not true? We are spending money we have not even earned yet for things that we do not really need to impress people we don't even like. And then we wonder why we're all stressed out. We're we're so stressed at what's going on. We've got to be a people that understand that wherever that limit is, we've, we've got to get below it. We've got to get below it. Watch what happens in Luke 15, 14 now. So he spends everything that he has and watch what happens next. There was a severe, isn't it, Isn't it ironic that when you don't have anything left is when something breaks? Come on, anybody been there before? You're like, we finally made it. We're going to make it. And then there goes the dishwasher. There goes the refrigerator. There goes the vehicle. There goes the, and you're like, what am I going to do? Okay. Dave Ramsey would call this the Oh No Fund. That's the, that's the Christian version. There's a secular version of that. It's not called, oh, no. Okay, anyways, you can fill in what you think it is. All right, so that there's going to come a famine in that whole country, and so he began to be in need because he was not ready for it. Because he spent everything he had, <laughs> here comes the famine, and he has nothing left. So now he's in desperate, desperate need. All right, so I share all that to share that's, that's some of the problems. All right, I want us to transition here, though. Because God does have solutions for these. And we want peace in the midst of the chaos, especially when it comes into the area of finances. So I want to read a scripture to you that we often read during Christmas. But it's not a Christmas verse. It's in Isaiah chapter 9, it's verse 6, and it says this. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Everybody help me with this last one. And Prince of Peace. And Prince of peace. He's going to be Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Now, Prince in this is not like Prince, like Prince Ali. It's not that Prince, okay? This isn't the, uh, I saw Aladdin too. Okay, so this is, not, this is not like royalty Prince. Let me give you what this Hebrew word for this Prince is. It's this word Sar, S-A-R, Sar. This is what Prince means. This, this Prince means Lord, Chief, General, the one in charge. This is this prince. Now watch peace. So we got prince of peace. Let me show you what peace means in Hebrew. Peace peace means shalom. You've probably heard this. If you've heard any Jewish context of people, they've said shalom. This means rest. It means tranquility, wholeness, completeness, contentment. So what I am proposing to you and I is that God is the prince of peace, but he is the Lord of peace, the one in charge of peace. He is the chief of peace. He is the chief of contentment, tranquility, and rest. This is what he actually does. Now, when you read throughout Scripture, oftentimes when you see peace, you'll also see Lord. I want to show you. Watch. Psalms chapter 4, verse 8. Everybody help me when you see these. In? Peace, I will lie down and sleep. Come on, how many want to lie down in peaceful sleep? Come on, this is this is God's ambient right here, okay? In peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, oh Lord, Lord will keep me safe. Watch the next verse. Psalms 29:11. The Lord, Lord gives his people strength, the Lord, Lord blesses them with peace. with peace. Watch the next one. Here we go. Acts chapter 10, going to the New Testament. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord. Lord of all, Lord of all. Okay, write this down. The prince has principles of peace. The prince has principles of peace. All right, so I want to help us out here. So most of us are stressed out. Here's why. Because most of our stress comes from ignoring God's principles. So let me give you an an example here. Bible says that the Lord gives peace. That the Lord is the chief, the, the one in charge. When I submit, when I put myself under the Lord's ways, I get the Lord's protection. I get the Lord's provision. I get the Lord's peace. Most of us are stressed. Ready? Here we go. Most of us are stressed because we live like this. We live with our desires. We live with our ways. We say, God, I got this. I'm Lord. I'm the chief. I'm the one in charge. And what you don't realize is now you're also subject to everything that now comes into your life because you are not under the protection The provision and the peace that comes when we submit ourselves to God. Most of our stress comes from us ignoring God's principles. So we say, God, I'm going to live this way. And then we come run to God and go, God, I don't know why I'm stressed out. He says, just get up under the umbrella. (laughs) Are y'all with me? Okay. So there are principles of peace that the prince has for us. I'm going to give you five of them. We're going to go. Number one, obedience. When you look throughout Scripture, people that experienced the peace of God specifically in the area of finances, the first thing is that they were obedient. They were obedient. So Malachi says it this way. This is what it says. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob who? You rob me. This is God speaking. You rob me. But you ask, well, well, man, how are we robbing you, God? He says, well, you're robbing me in tithes and in offerings. So let me pause here. I want you to listen to me very closely. Tithing is not generosity, tithing is obedience. Yeah. Tithing is not generosity, tithing is obedience. Tithing is tithe, the word tithe actually means 10, means 10%. That God does require us to bring to him 10, the 10%, the tithe. He says, when we're not doing this, we are robbing him. Watch, you now watch this. You're under what? You're under. You're not under this. You're under this. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Watch what it says here. Yep. It says this. Verse 10. What's this word? Bring. 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 Notice it doesn't say give. Listen to me closely. You don't give your tithes. You bring your tithes. You only give something that's actually yours. But you're not giving something because it's not yours. It's his. So when you tell your kids, like, hey, bring me that. You're telling that because it's yours. Hey, bring me, bring me. So bring the the whole tithe into the storehouse so that may be food in my house. Now watch this. Test me in this. One of the very, very few places in all of Scripture where God tells us to test them in this. He says, come on, let's go. I double dog dare you. (laughs) And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Now watch what the next verse says. And pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. I will prevent pests. I will prevent pests. The thing that you're so consumed about, the thing that you're so stressed out about, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm going to prevent it from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. So let me give you what I, what I really think tithe is. Tithe is a thank you note back to God who is responsible for every blessing in your life. We'll say that again. The tithe is a thank you note back to God who is responsible for every blessing in your life. So uh, 10, 10 years ago, we shot a video to explain how this works. If you have not seen this, you're about to. So yesterday, my oldest son, Josiah, turned 15 years old. Um, I have a 15-year-old, guys. okay. Ten years ago when he was five, we let him teach the church on, on giving. So, unfortunately, he's not here yet. He will be later. So, here is Josiah Belt on giving.
1: My name is Josiah Belt. Pastor Charles is my dad. Today I'm going to show you what I'm learning about money. How to do things to around my house to earn money. When I'm all finished, I get a dollar. See, that's ten dimes. See, that's one dollar. The next part is what I want to show you. I put one dime in here, and that's for God. This one I save, and that's for a weekend. I put the rest in here, and I do whatever I want with these. That's what I do with my money, and that's real simple. You can do it First one to God, save the other one, spend the rest. It's a lot easier as I imagine portfolio in the middle of a tough economic recession. That's just my opinion. If I can do it, you can do it too.
0: I can do it, you can do it too. Reminds me of a story of two guys that were on a, uh, stranded on a desert island and one guy is freaking, just freaking out. Like, man, I don't know, I don't, I don't, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Is anybody gonna save me?" I mean, he's like pacing and going back and forth. The other guy is just sitting calmly on the beach, sipping a little coconut. I mean, he's just chilled back. And he's like, how can you be so calm? He said, listen to me, I make $100,000 a week and I tie it to my church. My pastor's going to find me. Don't worry. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. That's All right. So obedience, okay? Number two, contentment. Contentment. Isn't it amazing? We can open up a refrigerator full of food and go, we don't got nothing to eat. We can turn on a TV with hundreds of channels and go, there ain't nothing to watch. We can open up our closets and go, I ain't got nothing. Where? Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all, we all have this. And, and let me help you here. Ready? I, <laughs> some husbands just looked at their wives right now. And it's, The richest, the richest people in the world are not the ones who have the most, but the ones who need the least. Amen. The richest people in the world are not the ones who have the most. They're the one who need the least. And I hope at some point in your journey being here at our Savior's Church, you get to go on a missions trip and see this example in front of your face. I've seen some people with the most joyful lives live in the worst of places. When we went to South Africa, actually Luke was, Luke was with us and my son. I mean, half of the day, they were playing with kids with an with a empty water bottle that had, had a little water, and they were flipping the water bottle. And these kids thought it was the best thing in the world. I mean, our kids now, if they don't have a device in their hand, they think it's the worst day in the world. Con- contentment is so huge. Scripture speaks about it oftentimes. Let me show you what, what, what Scripture says in First Timothy 6. It says, True godliness with what? contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we cannot take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be, come on, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. And here we go. Here's that word, our theme verse. They're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Okay, now here it's going to share the verse that all of us have heard before. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. How many you heard that one before? Okay, all right. Let me, make, let, me, let me help you with what it's not saying. Money is not the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. This is what God's saying. I want you to have money. I don't want money to have you. God wants you to be so blessed. Here's why. Because he knows money is needed to advance the kingdom. He knows money is used to be a blessing to people. He knows money is what you use to enjoy life. God has no problems with that. God wants us to be richly blessed in all areas of our life. He just doesn't want you to be overtaken by the desire and the pursuit of money. Because this is what happens. Some people craving money. Have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So the secret to contentment here it is is gratitude. Watch, listen to me closely. Gratitude takes what you have and makes it enough. Did y'all hear me? Gratitude takes what you have. And makes it enough. I told our guys yesterday at the herd. We were talking about this. And I said here's a great exercise to do. Take something that you absolutely love. And imagine you just lost it. Your marriage. A kid. Your job. Imagine this week you got a, you got a health diagnosis. That said it's not good. Now get it back. How do you feel? Very grateful now Right? Any of y'all ever been through like a storm and you lost your electricity for a certain minute of time? Yeah. I mean, no, we're like, we don't even know what to do with ourselves. Like, what's going on? Oh my God. And then it comes back on and you're like, oh my God. I mean, it's like heaven opens. You know what I'm talking about? AC's blowing. You're like, the Spirit of God is here. It's here. I can feel it. You know what it did? You, you just got reminded of something that you took for granted. Contentment is us just not getting to that place. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. Number, number three, margin, margin. So we got obedience, we got contentment, we got margins. Uh, Proverbs twenty one twenty says the wise have wealth and, le- and luxury but fools spend whatever they get. We've gotta be people who have margin. Imagine what it'd be like to read a book that had no margins. Margin less life is crazy life. A margined life is a calm life. A margin less life is debt. A margin life is surplus. A margin less life is exhaustion. A margin life is energy. Let me give you a, 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 um, an example of this. It takes 10 minutes to get to school. And... You wait to 10 minutes to get there. How many know your stress level goes up a little bit? Eight minutes to get there. Seven minutes to get there. If we would build in margin, say, hey, no, no, we're going to be ready 15 minutes before. The stress level immediately goes down. Immediately goes down. It it immediately goes down. So I want to give you something real practical here, and then we got to wrap it up. In two months, the biggest shopping. Time is happening. What is it? Christmas. Christmas. Christmas is coming. It's coming fast. I mean, you, you go to the stores now, it's already out. I mean, they're already, they're already ready for you. L- listen, I want, I, I want to help everybody here. Listen to me. I pray, I pray, I pray that you would not be spending more money than you have. One of the things Lindsay and I started doing years ago, uh, I would like to say we've done this for a long time, but just, just within the last couple of years was Whatever we budgeted for Christmas, we got it out in cash, and that's what we spent on Christmas. If we could not pay it with, with cash, you didn't get it. And like, so we, we budgeted it all out, and we did that, because what's happening now is people are p- buying things for people that they don't even care about. <laughs> Some of it is for people that they love, but then they got to spend the rest of 2020 paying it off. And they're stressed out. And they're maxed out. And I can tell you, most of the Christmas gifts that I've gotten my entire life, I don't even know where they are. I just don't. And so we create a budget, and then we did just that. And so we go through the list. And, you know, we got grandma and great-grandma, and, you know, we're like, hey, if you spend more on your grandma, that takes away from my grandma. Don't be spending more on your grandma. Okay, we got, you know, we got budgeted digit uh, for each person. And, but I'm just telling you, the, the stress level just begins to go down. I, I think we could all learn from the great theologian Buddy the Elf when he says I thought maybe we could just make gingerbread houses and like eat cookie dough and go ice skating and maybe even hold hands like what if Christmas was just more of that are y'all with me today and not stressed out over what we're gonna get and, okay so I'm just, I'm just trying to help you let's, let's build in some margin this year you may you know, have to tell your kids no on some things you may have to say that to some, some in-laws who they want to out-gift each other. Yeah. Sorry, you're getting socks. Okay. <laughs> number four. <laughs> My pastor said you're getting socks. Don't blame it on me. Okay, so number four, generosity. Generosity, life is good for those who are generous. Generosity is not an act. It's, it's who we are as a people. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because we've been talking about this a lot for the last couple of weeks. And I, want to, I just want to get to number five, and that's dependence. Dependence. We live in a society that is so independent. So independent. Now let's, let's, let's wrap up the story. He spent everything that he has. Famine has struck. He is now in a time of need. And watch what happens. Here we go. Verse 17. Everybody help me with this part. When he... So listen, I, I knew as I was preparing for this message, this isn't like a amen, preach it down, you weren't standing up like Obed, this kind of message. <laughs> like I knew this was gonna be one of those like, can we get Obed back, you know? Can... Here's been my prayer though for this message. Because last week's message encouraged you and challenged you. This week's message is, is some Surgery because this is a stress for a lot of people. And, and my prayer this week, here's been my prayer, ready? My prayer has been, God, help people come to their senses. God, help our people come to their senses. So look what he does. He says, he begins this speech in his, in his mind. You know, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, I'm his son, I'm starving to death. I'm gonna set out and I'm gonna go back to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me. Now watch this. I should have highlighted this. We started this story with him telling his father two words. What were they? Give me. me. Now when he comes back, look at the two words he asked him. A lot of our issues in life is because we want give me, give me, give me, give me. And not God, make me, make me, make me, make me. God, make me just, he, uh, he tells his father, just, just make me like one of the hired service. Just put me on the payroll, just like. So this is the speech that he's got going on in his mind. So he gets up and he goes to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with anger. <laughs> he's filled with compassion. It's his son. So he doesn't sit on the porch and go, come on, come on. I told you so. No, no, no. It says as soon as he sees his father, he runs to his, his son and he throws his arm around him and he kisses him. And then he begins to throw a party. I, I don't know where you are financially and I don't know if it's... Because of decisions that you've made, or maybe been decisions that other people have made, but here's here's what I know more than anything is that if you're in a bad place financially, your first thing you got to do is just own it. Just own it. The first thing that this son did was he just came to his senses. What am I doing? Here's the craziest part of this whole story: everything this son wanted, he had at home. But because he wasn't content with what he had, and he wanted more, he ended up pursuing something that he thought he wanted. Ready? Here we go. He was pursuing something he thought he wanted. Then when he got what he wanted, he hated what he had. And some of us, you have not realized this, that God has loved you enough. He has let you get what you want. And now you're in a place where you just don't even like what you have. And it's not because of God the father never moved the son did but here's the beauty of it the son knew where his dad was and he went right back to dad and I don't know where you are and this isn't just in a financial thing this is maybe just where you are emotionally or where you are spiritually or where you are mentally right now but I'm just telling you right now you got a father that's so filled with compassion for you he wants you to come home and he says come on home come on home come on home And so listen, if you're stressed, run to the Father. Run to the Father. Would you bow your heads in this place? Dear Jesus, we invite you into this moment. Holy Spirit, you have been speaking this whole time. But God, I pray now, Lord, that it would move not just from conviction. God, we now respond. We respond. We respond. God, I pray, Lord, that we would come to our senses. God, if there's been areas where we've been unwise, if there's been areas where we've been our own Lord, if there's been areas where we've been the one in charge, God, I pray today that your people would release that. We surrender to you. Today we say, in God we trust. God, we invite you to come. Lord, your word says that when we walk out your ways, when we're obedient and content and margin generous, dependent on you, that you would open up the windows of heaven, that you would give us your wisdom. So today, God, I pray for your people today, God, wherever they are. For those right now, if you've been struggling financially, I want you just to shoot your hand up. If that's you all across this place, it's just been a stressful. Come on, this hands going up all over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. So God, right now, every single hand that's raised, God, I'm praying right now for your wisdom, your wisdom your wisdom. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would just open up doors that only you can open up. We thank you today that we declare that you are our provider. That your word says, God, that if you would take care of the birds and you would take care of the flowers of the fields, how much more will you take care of your sons and daughters? So today, God, we just declare in this moment, we need you. We trust you. We surrender this area of our life to you. And God, more than anything, we invite you to come and to help. God, be with us. Give us your wisdom. Surround us around people who can help. Now, you can put your hands down where you are. If you're here in this place that the greatest decision you can make even before that, though, is making Jesus Lord of your life. Peace comes when God is Lord over our lives. Sin is what separates us from God. It's it's why we feel the chaos. It's why we feel even a lot of the stress and the angst that's going on in our own soul is because sin separates. It's what it does. But Jesus loved us enough that he came down he lived on this earth and he was perfect and he bore our sin and our shame and our guilt on a cross. And it's simple. This is all you got to do. This is all you got to do. It's as simple as ABC. We admit that we're sinners. That's the first part. We own it. God, apart from you, I'm, I'm nothing. I need you. We believe that Jesus died on the cross. There is no priest, no pastor. There's no church. There's no program. There's no baptism. There's no communion that can save you. It is Jesus and Jesus alone and is by grace through faith in him, in him alone. And if you will confess him as Lord and Savior of your life, he will come and he will make you new again. The Bible calls it being born again. If you don't have a spiritual birthday, a day where God has made you new, I don't want you to walk out this place without having that moment. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up and say, Pastor Josh, that's me. I want to be made new. One, two, three. If that's you going up all across this room, come on, going up all across this room. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine. Praise God! You can put your hands down right there where you are. Come on, this—you are one heartfelt, honest prayer away from your life changing forever. I want—I want you to pray this right alongside, and we're going to pray this with you. I want you to say this with me. Say, "Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my shame, my guilt, and my sin, and you died for it." And you faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sins and I place you as the Lord and Savior of my life. God, be my Father. Jesus, be my Savior. Holy Spirit, be my helper, and heaven
1: is now my home, in Jesus' name. And everyone said,